The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 156 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in with us again this week. We really appreciate it. Before we get into this week's episode, I do want to thank a a new reviewer. The Apple Podcast username is Living in Portland. Thank you so much for your five-star review and your very kind words. We really appreciate it. My guest on the show this week, Jeremy Telford, he is a professional balloon artist who set a world record for a balloon sculpture that he did. He'll tell us all about it. It was really fun sitting down with Jeremy. A couple of notes uh, for the episode. We talk about Thanksgiving Point quite a bit, which is where he did this. Uh, For those outside of our immediate area here in Utah, Thanksgiving Point is kind of a big, just beautiful nonprofit area that they've got a dinosaur museum, they've got a butterfly conservatory, They've got some gardens and space to walk around and a couple of restaurants. It's just a really neat family place. So when we talk about Thanksgiving Point, uh, that's what that is. And also, I don't know that I've mentioned on this show before, but uh, I have a little bit of a history doing balloon animals. And when I was a teenager, I did uh, birthday party entertainment and and all kinds of things. So I, I know a little bit about this world but uh, certainly I'm not even in the same category as Jeremy. But as we're talking, I think I share a couple times, yeah, I did this or that. And that's that's what that's referring to. So we've got that uh, conversation coming up. And this week in my Latter-day Life, if you'll please uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, I have a uh, kind of a big announcement about the future of the show. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, my guest here in the Latter-day Live studios, this is a first for us. We have an actual world record-setting balloon artist sitting here with me, Jeremy Telford. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I cannot believe this. You're, you're actually, I think, the first person, I think, who has held a world record. Brad Barton, actually, he's a, a runner. He had a, he had a world record. But otherwise, I mean, a Guinness Book of World Records, we're going to get to that in a minute. But first of all, uh, Jeremy, let's get to know you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. Uh, I grew up in Washington State, hmm. a town called Auburn. It's kind of between Seattle and Tacoma. Yeah. Grew up wanting to be a marine biologist, actually. Really? Since. That's yeah. a far cry from uh, <laughs> from uh, doing balloon work. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where... Second grade, all the way through high school, wanted to be a marine biologist, and discovered computer programming in mm. high school. Wow. So were you raised in the church? I was, yeah. Yeah. Um, my dad's side goes back far. My my mom's side, her her parents were inactive, but became active mm. again. And But yeah, I grew up very strong in the church. How far were you from the coast? So, up in Washington, you have the coast and you have the Puget Sound. Right. I was fairly close to the Puget Sound. It was like within half an hour, 45 minutes drive. And is that what generated this love of marine biology? Probably. 
Yeah. yeah, it's Jacques Cousteau's second favorite place in the world to go diving. So you were into marine biology. What what else? What were your hobbies when you were growing up? Oh, growing up, anything nature oriented. I was actually I was I was one of those LDS kids that actually wanted to do the scouting program. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, anything anything nature merit badge. I went after that. So I enjoyed all the environmental science and the bird watching and any of that sort of thing. Yeah. Was that part of your social scene? Like, were you hanging out bird watching and stuff with friends or? No. Since I, I moved to Auburn all the way through high school, I had kind of a, a core set of friends. I've always been one where I have a few really good friends. Mm, and that's, gotcha. all I've, I've, that's all I've needed. And so we'd be interested in, in, in various things. Most of it was programming video games, that sort of thing. Mm. But, um, yeah, the nature side of it was it was mostly just mine. It's always been kind of a rejuvenating thing getting out alone. It's an interesting mix, you know. You say you were into computer programming and the outdoors. Those are two things that I guess maybe bring balance to your life. <laughs> well, high school I was also um did all the high school plays and I was one of the presidents in the chess club. So <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, smart so. guy. That's good. So, what came after high school? So uh, I served a mission in Hungary. Hungary? Yeah. Wow. How was that? It was good. Was that pretty shocking, getting the mission call to Hungary? Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't on my... my Your radar? My radar, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that I would probably end up out of country. Mm. Um, but as to... I, I was thinking, I, I studied German in high school for a couple of years, you know, enough to pretend like I could speak something. Yeah. And so I figured I'd go, you know, somewhere German speaking. Or gotcha. That, so, uh, but but good mission. Tell us what what serving a mission in Hungary is like. It's a bit of a culture shock. The the first I think six months of my mission, because the language is difficult, I really didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of looking at my companion, going, "What? <laughs> okay." I remember one time towards the beginning of my mission, I was like, "Okay." I, all I do is ever just sit there and try and figure things out. This time I'm going to say something. I'm going to bear my testimony. And, <laughs> and, and so I tried. Oh, I really tried. And, and we, we ended there. The, the, the people were talking with us. They were very nice and everything. We left and my companion went, and he's like, I have no idea what you just tried to say. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse than said what you tried to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so you came home from your mission. What came next? So I guess high school, I did spend one year at BYU. Mm. Um, and actually, I was a computer science major. Gotcha. But I found out after I spent two years on my mission and came back, all of my math skills had disappeared. <laughs> it's like I just, I just couldn't. And my desire to relearn them had kind of evaporated as well. And so... Uh, then I was just trying to figure out what I actually wanted to do, and I pursued uh, going into animation. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Was that something you knew you loved earlier? So my my mother graduated BYU with a, a degree in art, and a lot of our her children, like my my brother is a jeweler, uh, my sister graduated with um, a theater major, mm. and. So I always, we've always been deep into the arts, drawing and, and that sort of stuff. And 
yeah, animating just looked attractive to me. It was fun to to, to make. So, did you actually declare a major in art? Uh, pre-major because yeah. you have to you have to apply. BYU's art majors are really kind of competitive. At least I don't know if all of them are. I don't know if some of the studio arts is quite yeah. competitive, but like animation is extremely competitive yeah. to get in, and so you have to apply. So you continued with BYU. Uh, how was your BYU experience? It was good. Longer than they probably wanted it to be. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I, I you know, did the whole Tommy Boy length of, of education. Yeah. And it was, it was good. I mean, I got a lot of uh, classes and stuff that I might not otherwise have gotten. And um, with the whole balloon thing, it's been my own business. Right. And so I've, I've used the the computer programming end of things, and I've used the the art end of things, and I've used mm, gotcha all this stuff to to help with my business. So, so how long did you end up spending at BYU? Well, let's just say a lot of people would spend that long at school would be doctors. <laughs> I totally get it. That's great. Well, you had a good experience though. And did you end up graduating from BYU then? I did. I got my degree in recreation management and youth leadership. Interesting. So this was a lot of changes. This was a lot of pivoting. Do you find you're able to kind of change pretty easily? Until I finally decided for sure this is what I wanted to graduate, I didn't do particularly well. Mm. I would, um, I hate to say it this way, but I was probably pretty lazy mm. in a lot of my classes. Once I knew what I wanted to do, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get this degree, and I'm going to graduate, and I'm going to go on, then, then it was, uh, my grades were actually really good, and I moved through it and I took what I wanted out of the classes and stuff. How was BYU socially for you? It was good. I mentioned before that I've always been kind of a small core of friends. Right. And and it was the same way. My freshman year I had a core group of friends I hung out with. And one of my mission came back and they were pretty much all gone. Mm. And so I got a new core. It's where I met met my wife. Oh, okay. Tell it's, us about that. Um so my wife and I we were in the same ward at BYU but we didn't really get to know each other there we got to know each other at BYU's juggling club oh right on yeah it's called why juggle and so she was there her her brother was there and her brother and I were were kind of becoming friends and so one day leaving the club I was like hey you heading back down down to the south campus and I'll go with you and he goes oh I'm not heading down but um you can take my sister. <laughs> and so nice. I walked I walked his sister home. We talked about her cats like the whole way home. Nice. And it just kind of grew from there. On a scale of one to ten, how are you as a juggler? Maybe six or seven. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's no, fantastic. My main thing is I, I can uh contact juggle. Oh, can you really? Yeah. So contact so. juggling for our, our audience who don't know, that's where you take a ball. And basically roll it around. I mean, correct me if I'm describing it poorly, but you basically roll it around your arms, shoulders, neck, whatever, without it leaving. It kind of gives the illusion that the ball is kind of moving on its own. Yeah. I think contact juggling is the hardest thing on earth. I learned <laughs> one move in contact juggling and gave up. Yeah. And most people know it from the movie Labyrinth. Mm, yeah. That 80s movie with David, David Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you remember the glass balls that are in that, that's, that's contact juggling. Yeah. 
It's amazing. I can do one ball, kind of the classic back and forth across my hands and forearms. But well, the fact that you can do that's pretty impressive. It's it takes a long time to even get that done. Yeah, it took me months of practice, and then I finally said contact juggling is just not for me. I should mention at this point that we are connected uh, by Marcus, who's been a guest on the show and who's just an awesome friend, and he knows everybody in this industry, <laughs> so it's great. So how how long after you guys met did you end up getting married? We. I want to say dated, but we were we were friends first. We weren't actually really looking for, we weren't looking for love. <laughs> but uh, we we were together dating, ish for about two years. Nice. And then we decided to get married. So I, I got I got engaged in June, the year before we got married. Mm-hmm. And her parents basically let, let us know that if if we got married the next year, that. Um, they had a timeshare in Kauai, Hawaii. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we had a year-long engagement. So then her parents gave us our honeymoon out. For and, Hawaii. That's all yeah, right. Kauai is worth it, man. That's beautiful. So you get out of school. You're you're married. You're you're moving in the world. What what was next? When did the transition come for, for uh, balloons? Was that right away or was that later? I think it actually happened when I decided to do the my major, the... Youth management. Man, I can't even remember my own major. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. the basically it's it's focused towards entertainment, like parks and recreation. Yeah. Theme parks, etc. And I think at that point I'd already decided I was going to do my own business. Um, so shortly after I got married, Paco, which is the nickname of my wife's brother, he had been doing small balloon animals. At the Mayan restaurant when that existed. Oh, yeah, sure. My brother-in-law was a diver at the Mayan. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he was doing balloons there, and he taught me as a way to help pay for college. Mm. And so I was doing it, doing it, trying to do animation, trying to get break into animation or illustration, and it just wasn't happening. And so I was like, well, they're not going to let me in. i got to figure something else out. And by this time, I was I was pretty deep into doing the balloons and starting to do birthday parties and do other things. And I was like, well, heck, I have this skill. I enjoy it. It lets me use my art creativity sure. that I'm, I'm trying to use. And so let me find a, a major that fits with what, I, what I'm doing gotcha. and create a business out of it. And so that's pretty much kind of when I transitioned there is, is I was – Finishing up the major and trying to build the business yeah. at the same time. Do you remember the first balloon you learned to tie? <sighs> I want to say that it was a motorcycle. Wow. Yeah. That, That's an intense one. Well, it's, it's Paco, he, he taught me about 10 decent designs to do at the Mayan restaurant. Cool. And he, he let me know at the Mayan, they kind of expected a little bit better than your your standard dog so yeah i'm going to teach you some and then you're going to have to go from there and so yeah but i think one of the first ones if not the first was the motorcycle yep. i was very good at uh when i used to do it i used to do this at walk around stuff too i was very comfortable with dogs tulips and swords outside of dogs tulips and swords the funny thing is though if they wanted a rabbit it was a dog with really long ears if they wanted a cat it was uh you know a, a dog with a, a longer tail i mean it was just i could make that dog into just about any four-legged creature but that was it so if you're doing man you start off with motorcycles that's pretty intense well i, I found out like through doing i've been doing balloons for 15 years now 
And I, I find if you can do a flower and a sword, 95% of children are happy. It's just all ego after that. <laughs> I think you're right. You're right. Most kids, we found so many kids that loved swords and, and flowers. Yeah. 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 That is really funny. So when did it become like a full on like, okay, this is going to be my life. This is going to be my career. I don't know if we've hit that point yet. Okay. <laughs> 15 years in, you know. 15 okay. years in, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's always been um, one of those things where if I can do this for the rest of my life and, and we can survive on it, I don't think I would be disappointed in doing yeah, that. Yeah, sure. But if I had to move on to something else, then I would. Yeah, I mean, gotcha. Whatever. It's, as much as I love the balloons, my family's much more important sure. to me. So. Yeah. All right, so I got lots of questions now, now that we're into the balloon <laughs> era. So first of all, tell us the name of your company. So it's Balloon Guy Entertainment. Balloon Guy Entertainment. And and is there other stuff that you do in addition to balloon walk around? Okay, I've done everything from television commercials to the world record to um, small little birthday parties, business parties. You know, it's, it's pretty much if you can make it with balloons and it's family friendly. Mm-hmm. Then it's something I'll do. And then for like parties and stuff, I'll throw in the little juggling magic show too. Nice. That sort of thing. Do you, do you also do balloon sculptures or just balloon animals? Um, if by sculptures, you mean. Like if I'm, I'm having a convention walking in, I want a big balloon arch and some big balloon columns oh, and that decor. kind of stuff. Decor. Is that the right word? Yeah. All right. See, I'm learning. That's cool. Yeah. No, I, I actually, I just did some for the new um, airport. Oh yeah. Delta. Yeah. I built a, it's called an organic style arch where you have this, the balloons, but they're all different sizes kind of clumped together. Fun. And we made it into kind of a contrail that flew up over the, the sky club with a plane at the end of it. How cool. And Ah. all right. So, uh, I want to know more about this world record because that's, that's a huge claim to fame. Uh, I will tell the audience right now that you shared with me that it has since been broken. However, it doesn't take away from the fact that you set a world record. Talk, yeah, talk about that. We can always say I broke one, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk about how that happened, how you got the idea, and tell us a little bit about it. So, um, I guess start with my relationship with Thanksgiving Points mm. out in Lehigh. I was doing a giant kind of walk-in pumpkin house for their harvest festival one year. And they took me out to lunch in the middle of it. It was like a three-day build, so they took me out to lunch. And at this point, their emporium the store that they used to have, it's now the butterfly biosphere. They were talking about how they um, were going to change it into something else. And they were thinking of doing a butterfly biosphere. And I kind of joked with them. I told them actually what you need to do is you need to create a balloon museum and I can come and build a new sculpture every day. And (laughs) you know, the sculptures last about a week. So people, every time they come, it'll be something new and et cetera, et cetera. We, uh, we finished it and you know, it was quite obvious that they, they weren't going to build a museum for balloons in the Emporium area. But she goes, we have a traveling space in the Dinosaur Museum, and we're always looking for new exhibits. How about you write something up? Hmm. And so I wrote up this idea of doing a moving timeline of history, where I'd start, um, you know, the Big Bang, go up through dinosaurs, and then to you know human history and do different parts and it would just keep moving down i build new sculptures old sculptures would be taken out and et cetera et cetera and they're like well that's good but that's not what we want to do 
we want to do to build the wonders of the world. And <laughs> there's no small task. <laughs> so they had me build the um, seven ancient wonders of the world and the seven modern wonders of the world. And as we were kind of planning through this, it's like, you know what? Would you guys have space and time for me at some point to do world record? I've always kind of wanted to break one. The um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, the Guinness World Record, all that stuff, kind of nostalgic from my childhood. And yeah, I'd, love sure. to, I'd love to try and break one. And they're like, well, actually, the year that you're doing the museum exhibit, we're, we're kind of doing a, a founding celebration. And we can make that a part of it. Oh, cool. And <laughs> cool, except <laughs> now I've got um, three months worth of planning to do for these giant Wonders of the World sculptures, which were, you know, 25, 30 feet wide, 14, 18 foot tall. And I was, you know, I was working um, six day, 10 hour days putting wow. these together. And then right in the, the middle of it, I kind of take a break. I have two balloon twisters that were working with me on the one, on the wonders of the world. And so I have everything figured out for them to work on while well, I take a break <laughs> so that I can work 15 hour days putting together this world record. Oh my gosh. And so, so the world record was separate from the other installation. Yeah. The, the room that I did the, um, the wonders of the world, these 35 foot sculptures wasn't big enough for the gotcha. world record. So I did that in their show barn. Did so the, what was the world record sculpture? So I, I thought it would be kind of ironic, kind of fun to do your classic one balloon wiener dog, but make <laughs> it 65 feet long. And so that's what I did. I designed 65 a- feet long. So did, was this something that you planned out in advance? Did you have to figure out here are the balloons I'm, or did you build it kind of as it went? Oh, I planned it meticulously. <laughs> really? You yeah. knew every balloon that was going into it. Yeah. I, I had it pretty well estimated so that I, cause I mean, you don't want to run out and right. yeah, I, sure. I used almost uh, 9,000 balloons building that thing. 9,000 balloons. Yeah. And so did you do it yourself or how many people were, were building with you? So the, this particular record was largest balloon sculpture by an individual. So that was me. That was all you me. did nine that did you use the the classic balloon pump? Oh my goodness, no. I mean I was that, about to say <laughs> your arms would have fallen off. I guess I had um they called one sixties. There's these small balloons that have one inch diameter, blow up to be about sixty inches long. Those ones I had to use uh, a manual pump, a pump mm. will use your hands. And those I used kind of to tie together these three fifty balloon or no six forty six balloons, six inch diameter. 46 inches long, which was the bulk of the the sculpture were these big six inch mm. diameter balloons. So, but those ones I could use a, um, motorized pump and the motorized pump would allow me to, um, put to the 10th of a second, how, how long the pump would go so that I could get everything oh, yeah. looking very, very equal. I didn't even think about that. The uniformity of it. Yeah. yeah. So how many hours did you put into this, this world record? 80 hours total. So five 15 hour days and then five oh hours in the last gosh, day. Gosh, that is crazy. So, and then how do you get a world record certified? So usually what you do is you, you look them up online, you approach them, you say, I want to go for this record. Here is my plan to do so, including, like I sent a sketch, you know, very detailed <laughs> sketch of a balloon dog. This yeah. is what I want to build. <laughs> and, um, they go back and they say, okay, well, tell us the dates you're going to go for it. And these are the requirements. 
they required that you had everything, um, footage of everything. Mm. And that it was open to the public while you were building. Or that you had to have volunteers who were not associated with you right. to, to witness it. Once again, thank you, Thanksgiving Point. They, they found all the volunteers for... Because mm. I started early morning, finished later at night. So I had volunteers early in the morning and later at night when that building wasn't open. Yeah. And then during the day, they would, they would let it open to the public so they'd come in and watch me build and stuff. And then... They set up two video cameras so that it would film me doing it. But if we found out that after about eight hours, it just would stop. <clears throat> and so I had to set an alarm and go up and turn one camera off and turn it back on and then go over to the other camera, turn it off and turn it on. But that way there would be no gap at all in the yeah. footage and that. And so... Jeremy, this is an intense process. <laughs> it was... It was... Oh, I, I swear. I think... I think... Um, you know, the, the build was hard and everything, but um, the, the people over there with, with Thanksgiving Point, I think they did as much or more work just getting it yeah. set up for me to be able sure. to do. So once you were done with it, did you know that, the, okay, I've got the record? Or were you kind of nervous of, hey, when I submit this all, was there a chance it wasn't going to go through? So uh, to continue with the, the whole thing, the whole setup, I also talked the Thanksgiving Point. Um, there's two ways you can do it. You either get all your evidence and you send it in and it takes them three to six months to review everything mm. and then declare whether or not you've broken the world record. Or you can pay through the teeth to have an adjudicator come mm. out, glance at your work and say, oh, looks good. Here, have a certificate. <laughs> I want that job. I want to be an adjudicator. <laughs> Actually, I had to have a witness in the profession. And I had uh, Marvin Hardy, who is in the balloon world, pretty famous. Mm. He's he's um, wrote a lot of um, the books for Pioneer, which is they make Qualitex balloons. Okay, um, but he he wrote a lot of the books for them back in the day. So yeah, um, so he came out. He was one of my he was my expert. I was I had to have two unless I had an adjudicator. And Thanksgiving point, they were like, you know what? We're going to make this a party. We'll, we'll pay for the adjudicator to come out. and Wow. And so you so, had the fall. Was he wearing the jacket? I'm picturing Oh, yeah, the jacket. Wearing the jacket, you know, uh -huh. the, the Guinness jacket. Yep, and, and all the, the news all came out because, you know, it was yeah. it was a spectacle. So. so you were on the news. This was, this must have felt really rewarding. <laughs> I was too tired at the time. <laughs> no, I can I can remember it was it was all just kind of a big blur when it was done because you know I six nights of very little sleep and sure, but you got great photos of it. What year was this? Yeah, this uh, 2015. Awesome, very very cool. And I haven't even asked yet. Do you have kids? Yes, currently five. Wow. So they must <laughs> think that you are the coolest dad on earth. Well, it's it's one of the things is um, the picture in the Guinness Book of World Record. It was, uh, you know, so was, the balloon was built just by me, but the picture of um, the balloon has me holding my Guinness certificate, but my family is all there with me. How cool. So all but my youngest kid, they're all in the Guinness Book of World Records with me. No way. That is just so cool, Jeremy. So where do you keep your certificate now? <laughs> uh, right now, it's between a cupboard and the couch in my living room. Awesome. It's... 
<laughs> no, I'm not not up on the wall. It's just slid between right now. Oh, really? No, okay. we, we we moved a couple of years ago, and and we haven't even with a couple of years we haven't quite situated to to get everything out. Gotcha. So I'm I'm very proud of the record, but right now the the certificate frame certificate is just sort of hiding out. I want to hear more about just this being a full time profession. Do you have? I mean, I know that back when I used to do party entertainment, this happened, but especially as a comedian, this happened. Do you have a gig that you remember because it just went so wrong or there was something so off about it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yet to so, meet an entertainer who doesn't. So we mentioned our, our mutual friend, Marcus. Um, Marcus has been great to me. He um, actually... He's the best. He helps me get some of, of my work and stuff. And in this case, I had a birthday party out in Park City that he got for me. And I went and I got there. And I tend to get places a little bit early because um, I feel less guilty about getting there early than late. Sure. And you never know what traffic's going to be like in Utah, so I just you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. I leave early, so I got there a little bit early, and I and I went up and was like, okay, well, I'm here. It's, there's there's no extra whatever. I can start whenever you're ready for me. It's better than sitting in my car. Yeah. So they, they invite me in. They're like, well, not everybody's here yet, so. It's like, okay, well, so I sat there and, and in this, they hired me to, to be a clown. Mm. And so I had my clown makeup on and, and I have, I have a lot of good friends that are actual clowns, right? I'm a balloon guy in makeup. Yeah. Um, the clowning, there's, there's a lot of skill involved with it that I just never learned, but you know, a lot of people don't even think about it. They, what they wanted was a balloon guy in, in makeup. In makeup yeah. So so they got what they wanted for that. But anyways, I'm sitting there in their living room. I think one of them spoke English. It was mostly Spanish speaking. And so, you know, I'd say hi and, and, and other stuff. But I, I, my Hungarian was not compatible. <laughs> with Hungarian with, wasn't helping know. with the Spanish. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm sitting there kind of uncomfortably just like, okay. And I can see the time I'm supposed to start come and go. And I'm like, oh, did you guys want me to start now? It's, it's time. It's, oh, no, people still aren't here. And, and so I'm sitting there and half an hour, 45 minutes later, they're like, okay, we can start now. And it's like, okay. And, and we'll start with your juggling magic show. And I was like, all right. And I get up and I get ready to do it. And they go over and they turn their stereo on music. They just, they didn't say anything to me. They just turned their music on. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay. It's like my, my show is actually pretty interactive. I, I a yeah. lot of gags with the kids. Of, and so I'm trying to figure out how to do my show without saying anything, they turn it up loud. Um, and so I'm doing all this stuff and, and my juggling and, and my magic, especially when you're trying to set it up and stuff and, and your audience doesn't speak the same language you do. Oh my gosh. And this sounds like such a nightmare, Jeremy. And, oh, it gets better. And so I get through it all and it's, you know, it goes as well as you can expect it. It, it will. And, and then it's like, okay, well now we'll do the balloons. It's like, okay. And I'm looking at the time, and this time, by this time, I'm I'm way over the time I was supposed to be there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but I, they hired me for balloons. I'm going to do balloons for them. But I'm like, okay, listen to the like, the kids spoke English fairly well because being in the school system and stuff. Sure. So the kids that were there, there's two or three of them that spoke English fairly well at this point, and and so I was like, listen, explain to them. I can only make one per person. I don't have time to do anything else. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. And so they start taking orders and I start building balloons. And I keep noticing that these kids are handing these balloons to the same people that are getting two or three balloons. 
And I'm like, no, no, I only have time for one each. It's like, oh, I know, I know, it's okay, it's okay. And he kept on saying, it's okay, it's okay. And and I finally, I, I finish, and I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much. Um, like, oh, no, 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 no. You have to take pictures. Oh, <laughs> and come this on. time, I'm... I'm I'm way 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 over time, but they need pictures of me with the birthday person with the cake with just all over the place, and then finally finally we're done and and like okay, well thank you. Let's go in the kitchen and we'll pay and stuff. And we go in there and we're like okay, so how much is it? And I went, well, Marcus told me that he charged this much, and honestly it wasn't unreasonable for the amount of time. But they looked at me like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Like you had me here for I don't know how many hours past I was supposed to be here, oh. and now you're going to try and oh, no. and and so like well okay we'll have to figure this out and so they they go through all the the members of the family extended family to to gather up cash oh and, and then, then they, they hand me this big wad of of cash which I oh. I, uh, I kind of half counted as they were putting together to make sure it was the actual amount because at this point I was just like I'm not getting paid less than I. <laughs> I was promised, uh, but I, I, I finished and finally, yeah, I was done. I went out to the car and, and I drove away and I was like, that, yeah. that, that is my, my gig to kind of set the standard, the low standard for all my other gigs. It was just that particular show helped me, yeah, <laughs> helped me clarify that I had, I had to make sure that the people that hire me and a lot of times, I mean, I was lucky for that one. Cause a lot of times I would have more than one show in a day and, and you can't right. do that when I mean, I'll I'll usually plan an hour buffer between shows mm. to make sure I can travel from one place to another, and 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 if I go over a little bit, it's not a big sure. deal. But yeah, a show like that, I, I yeah. You've done what hundreds of children's parties. Mm-hmm. Give us like the one thing if people say, "Look, I'm about to plan a birthday party for my kid." What's the one pitfall that you see that everybody falls into? Is there something, if you've got one piece of really good advice for people planning a, a birthday party for their children, or do people just generally do a pretty good job? In general, most of the parties I've been to have been pretty good. When, when you hire an entertainer for a birthday party, please know you are not hiring a babysitter. Okay, that's mm. that's, that's that's one of the one takeaways things. I'm, I'm there to entertain, but um, if if your child is going or the children are going to be climbing all over the couches it's not my job to stop them from destroying the <laughs> furniture i i have so many where they're like okay well we're going to do the party down in the basement and they bring all the kids down there and then the the parents leave and they're upstairs uh, i don't know i understand yeah. wanting to get a break and everything especially after planning a party because that's that's takes a lot but yeah they need to be there but yeah they need it's it's i i have no authority over these children yeah and they know it. <laughs> and, and they so, know it. <laughs> but um, for as far as successful goes, uh, the parents actually that um, it seems to work really well when they plan stations mm. where they have different games and they get like older siblings or other people that, that help out with these stations that yeah, I like that, that always have something for the kids to do. And, and then I end up being a station with balloons so it breaks up the kids so you don't have 30 kids watching me make balloons for one person at a time. Ah, uh, so smart. And then at the end, I'll do my juggling magic show where they can all gather and, and we can have awesome. fun with that. So that, that seems to work the best for when I'm performing. That's great advice. What's your favorite part about your career? 
What do you enjoy most about being a balloon artist? Honestly, um, there's a few things that I really enjoy. One is just the variety. I never imagined when I started doing it that I would be like flying down to Uruguay or out to Dubai or some of these places. I meant to, I'm glad you brought that up. I read in your bio, you went out to Dubai. You went to Dubai to do balloons. Yes. Jeremy, that blows my mind. How did that happen? And tell us about that experience. Oh, this one that kind of fell in my lap, actually. I have a friend named um, Matt Johnson, who is, at this point, he's a pretty darn famous magician, actually. He was on Britain's Got Talent, and mm. his career's just taken off. He had actually planned with another balloon twister to go to Dubai to do the Dubai Marina Mall's Bubbles and Balloons fiesta they had planned out building a big thing etc etc and then a couple weeks before going out there he met up with the person that was going to do the balloon twisting end of see matt johnson besides being a magician he's the cool balloon guy um so he was going to do the show part of the stage part of it and this other guy was going to build the large sculptures for the mall anyways they met up in vegas and it seemed like this guy had been avoiding um matt and he went and tried to talk to this guy and the guy just said, I'm not doing it <laughs> like two weeks before he was oh supposed to gosh. go out there. And so they were scrambling. And, um, if, if you Google balloon guy on in, in Google, my website's the top listing. So I'm guessing mm. that's probably, they're just searching and like, okay, well this guy, we can need do. a balloon guy and you're a balloon guy. And, yeah. and they look at the stuff they can see. I can do large sculptures cause, um, my website's just full of, of large stuff I've done. And so they, they contact me and I'm like, that's a good thing. I have my passport. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm basically like, okay, well I can plan something and build it, but we're going to have to work with whatever I've got in my inventory. Cause at this point, you know, I've, I've got to, they got about a week. Oh my gosh. And so I plan on building this giant red rocket and planets and, they had some specific column type characters mm. that they wanted me to build. So I, I made sure I had the stuff for that. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a whirlwind. Um, how long were you there? I was there for about a week. Yeah. Did you love Dubai? I did. I did. And I'll be honest, both places I've traveled have been very nice. I, I told them I won't work Sundays and I've, it's always been, it's like, if I'm going to own my own business, yeah. then I can, I can set that rule. And so I told them, um, with Dubai that I wasn't going to work on Sunday. And they said, okay, that's fine. And then I find out after I get there, the, the church holds its meetings on Fridays <laughs> to, to go in with the local. Cause yeah, that's, sure. Right. And, and so, with, uh, Sabbath, yeah. and so I have my, I have my Sabbath off, but I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so I was just sitting in the, sitting in the hotel room going, yeah, I guess I should ask for Friday off. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Well, I want to make sure people can find you. So so let's uh, give once again, what's what's the web address? So my web address is balloonguyentertainment.com. Balloonguyentertainment.com. Yeah. And you do, again, balloon decor. No, what was it called? Decor? Decor. So I can do arches and columns yeah. and stuff. So you do and... balloon decor. You do twisting and balloon animals and balloon sculptures and anything balloons. You're the guy. As long as it's family friendly. <laughs> I've been asked to do bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. I'm like, you know what? I can, but I can, I can tell you that, uh, there's certain <laughs> sculptures I will not build. 
Yeah. So it's going to be a pretty rated G yeah, bachelor party yeah. at that point. So, so this has just been an awesome conversation. We're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests that I really cannot remember if I prepared you for or not. So I apologize. You're welcome to take a, a, a minute to think before. But uh, that question is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? And you did. You gave me a couple days warning. Oh, good. I'm glad. And, and so uh, it didn't help at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true question. Trying it's to think of question. something something very deep and meaningful. And, <laughs> and Well, there's no right or wrong answer. You're not being graded on it. So. No. Well, for, for me, I kind of got the foundation for my testimony really when I was 12 years old. I uh, was about to receive the ironic priesthood, and I was kind of one of those things where I was like, there's two things here. Either the church is true and I need to be taking this seriously because it's priesthood or two, it's not true and it's kind of a mockery to, mm. to take it. And so that within a few weeks, I read the book of Mormon faster than I've ever read it before ever. And I prayed about it and I got an incredible witness. Wow. And that's, like I said, kind of been the foundation for my testimony. And so for me, there's no doubt that the church is true and that we are on this earth to learn specific things to help us become more like our Heavenly Father. Someone, in the end, he can trust to wield the power that he has. Mm. And so being a member of the church for me, it gives me clear guidance of what I'm doing in this life. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing balloons or if I'm an accountant or if whatever I am, as long as I'm trying to improve myself and help my family improve and to become more like him, then I'm fulfilling the purpose of why I'm here on this earth. Mm. And so that's what the church, that's what being a member is for me. It gives me direction and purpose in my life. I love it. Awesome. He is a husband, a father. He is a balloon artist. He broke a Guinness world record, which still blows my mind. It's so awesome. And uh, he's out making the world a better place. Jeremy Telford, thanks for sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. And my special thanks to my guest, Jeremy Telford. It was fun to sit down with him and hear about his interesting life as a balloon artist. I just loved getting to know Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you so much. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, kind of a kind of a big decision uh, that we've made. After, after a lot of time talking uh, with my wife and my family and thinking and praying, I have decided it is time to wrap up Latter-day Lives. We uh, have had such a great run for the past three years, more than, you know, 155 episodes now, and literally three years of my life. It has been absolutely a blessing. But a few weeks ago, I started feeling like it might be time to to end this and to move on to other things. And we've had a couple things in my life that have uh, even pushed that further. I have a new calling and uh, it's going to take up quite a bit of my time on Sundays. I want to make sure I can devote time to that as well as uh, more time with my family. Generally, for the last few years, I spend my my Sundays anywhere between two and four, sometimes even five hours 
editing the show, putting it together, and uh, you know, recording my Latter Day Life, and then publishing it. And it takes quite a bit of time, and it's a blessing, and it's a wonderful Sunday thing to do as I sit and listen to people's testimonies. But uh, I think I need that time now for some other things. The other thing is I feel like we've told the stories that we wanted to tell. We've had such an amazing cross-section of guests, just incredible, incredible people that have come on the show, and uh, it's just been such a blessing to get to know all of them. Uh, but I think it's time to move on to other things. Now, some of you who have been listening for a while, you know that uh, we have another project that we started, we put on hold with coronavirus, and that's called Sharing Time. And that's where my my dear friend Ken Craig and I uh, do a Facebook Live, and we kind of give uh, humorous or comedic uh, commentary. And I I think the world could use a little more levity. So we are relaunching Sharing Time, and we're going to be doing that on a very regular basis, and I am really excited to do that. So I'm so grateful for how many listeners we've had. Uh, We are going to have one more episode, one more regular episode, I should say, with a guest that will be next week, and that will be our, next week will be our last regular conversation episode. Uh, And then we're going to do one final episode that's kind of a listener guide, and this is where I want you to participate. If you are a listener to the show, if you've, if you've heard other episodes, what I would love from you is if you would send us uh, either on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email me, sean at latterdaylives.com, uh, an episode that you loved or a guest that you loved or a point that was made or something that you've learned from listening to all of the incredible guests that we've had. We're going to do a kind of a final episode that will actually be a listener's guide. And it'll point out kind of, hey, if you're new to the show, because I am going to leave the show up and people can access all of the back episodes. Uh, But so this final episode will be basically a start here guide, maybe point out some of our, our listeners' favorite episodes, things to listen for, and maybe ways that some of these conversations Uh, have touched your hearts, I think that would just be wonderful. So if you can send those to me, we'll put that together. So again, next week, uh, the final conversation episode, and then the following Monday will be kind of the final episode and uh, our listener's guide. And please know, I did not make this decision lightly. I am so uh, just overwhelmed and grateful for all of you, the incredible support that we've had from our listener base. It, it's truly been a blessing, and this show has just been incredible. And hey, all of these episodes will be uh, available. Again, we're, we're leaving them posted and up and, and available for anyone to listen to. And hopefully, it'll just continue to grow because we've had the most incredible people on here. So please uh, get those into me. It's been a lot of, as you can imagine, a lot of mixed emotions this week. But I, after a lot of prayer and a lot of pondering, I, I know that this is the right thing to do, and this is the time. There are seasons, seasons to everything. It kind of feels like at the end of my mission, <laughs> I wanted to keep serving, but at the same time, I, I felt that it was time to be done, and uh, I've gotten that, that same kind of confirmation on this, that it is just time to do other things uh, to help build the kingdom. Well, I think that's about all we've got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.